have heard most of the message already about passing the baton of faith from one generation to the next. As I've traveled around, I met Ray. Ray is, uh, in, when I met him, he was in Fayetteville, North Carolina. He was on the Golden Knights, which is the elite uh, parachute jump team uh, for the United States Army. And they have a baton that they gave me from one of the jumps. And I said, well, what's the goal? And he said, well, the, we have two goals. Number one, we want to pass the baton. But number two, we want to land safely. Now, as adults, we kind of have that same goal as parents. We want to pass the baton of faith so that our children can land safely in the kingdom of God. Number one rule, or number one goal is a parent. So today's top ten for your marriage is thou shalt pass the baton to your children. Now, sometimes when we talk to our children about issues of faith, and by the way, if you have a pen and a piece of paper, write this stuff down on the back of bulletin. You should have nine kind of little bullet points that revolve around the idea of passing our faith along. And, uh, and I'm going to give them to you quick. You can get the CD to get, the, uh, uh, to get them again. But here's the thing. When you're talking to your children or you're talking to anyone about faith, you're trying to pass the baton of faith along. You have to make sure, especially children, younger children, understand several key concepts. They have to understand the meaning of sin. Because Jesus didn't die just so they could have a warm fuzzy and go to heaven. If there was no sin, hell wouldn't be a reality. But because there is sin, hell is a reality. Jesus died on the cross so that we would have forgiveness of sin and a payment for sin. So our children, or even adults, have to understand the nature of sin. Sin is not a boo-boo, it is not a mistake, it is not a flaw. It is an offense against a holy God. So our children have to understand that uh, when they sin, they also have to understand that they sinned against God. That sin doesn't just make mommy and daddy feel bad, even though it does. But there's a higher issue, and that issue is that sin is an offense. It hurts the very heart of God. And so our children and even our adults need to understand that when you sin, whatever the sin is, at whatever level or stage of life you are at, I want you to understand your sin offends the very heart of God. Whether you are a 70-year-old gossip or a 77-year-old little child who struggles with stealing things that aren't necessarily theirs, all right? The third concept that children or adults need to understand is that they, uh, they have to not only understand the meaning of sin, they have to realize that they've sinned as well. They have to understand that they've sinned. Sin is like the big core issue. And then the final one that they have to understand is that they can have no relationship with Jesus Christ as long as there's sin in their heart. Okay? And so when you talk to your children or you talk to your adults or you talk to your teenagers, this concept of sin is a big thing. And you say, well, I want to hurt my child's self-esteem. Listen, we're not about hurting our child's self-esteem, but we are interested in passing the baton of faith off to our children so they land safely in the kingdom of God. So if you're going to talk to your children... And they ask you, mom, dad, or you talk to a teenage friend, or you talk to an adult, and you say, what, what, should I, what should I say? Let me give you five quick points. Number one, you tell them God loves them. 
And whether they're an adult or a child, you start with the love of God. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Present a God of love to your children, for that's what he is. Secondly, you have to help them understand that they've sinned. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Is there anyone here who has not sinned? Didn't think so. We all have. I have, you have. We've all sinned and come short of God's glory. And that leads us to the third point. That Jesus Christ died and came back to life so that your sins could be forgiven. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 is the verse for this. And, and, and just listen to what Peter says. He says... For Christ died for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. In other words, he for us, to bring you to God. The purpose of his death was to bring us into a loving relationship with God the Father. Jesus the righteous died for you and I who are unrighteous. You will never be good enough to get into heaven. You have to have Jesus Christ in your heart. And then you must repent and ask God to forgive you. We talked about repentance a couple of weeks ago. It's going this way, and it's turning and going this way. It's a 180-degree turn. Repentance simply means a change of mind, a mind, a change of heart, a change of direction in life. And so repentance is turning from sin, but it's also turning to Jesus. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19 is a good verse to share with that. Repent then. And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. And then finally, you ask Jesus to come into your heart and come into your life and to be your Lord. And Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 are great verses here. In the King James Bible, it gets a little kind of complicated because of where they inserted uh, commas and that kind of thing. But the idea is that if we confess with our mouth, in other words, we tell God that we're sorry and we believe in our heart. The Bible says we'll be saved. And so you have kind of two things there. We tell God we're sorry, we confess our sin. But there's also this invitation to come and live in our lives. It's kind of like getting married to somebody. You invite them to spend the rest of, the li of their life with you. And so when you deal with your child, you have to tell them, or an adult, that God loves them, that they've sinned, that Jesus died, came back to life, that they have to repent and ask Jesus into their heart, and, uh, and that Jesus is going to live for them. Now you say, well, who gets saved early in life? Well, I kind of did a little survey through history. Guys like Paul Mears, a lot of you have read him stuff. He's a noted Christian counselor and psychologist, received Christ at age six. Isaac Watts, great hymn writer, received Christ at age nine. Jonathan Edwards, tremendous preacher, started uh, one of the great awakenings at age seven. Jim Elliott, a tremendous missionary who gave his life uh, on the field of service at age six. And uh, Corey Tim Boone and Ruth Bell Graham, wife of Billy Graham, gave their hearts to the Lord at age five. I went around the church and was just asking folks who were serving in the church. I came into the praise team, the group you saw just sing before you, eight or five out of the eight that were on stage had accepted Christ at the age of 12 or earlier. 
Most of those who are teaching here accepted Christ early in their life. I want you to understand that it is an imperative upon parents. It is an imperative upon the church to pass faith on to our children so that faith is passed on and they land squarely in the kingdom of God. And maybe you're here today and nobody's ever passed faith on to you. Nobody's ever told you how to go to heaven. Believe it or not, we just did. You simply have to realize that God loves you. You realize that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. You realize that you're a sinner. And through his death, he provided a payment to God to take away those sins. And then you simply tell God you're sorry. And you invite him into your heart. You say, that's it? That's it. You say, why is it so simple? The Bible says it's so simple that a child can understand it. Not all the theology of it. But you're looking at a guy who, as a child at the age of seven, gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? Maybe you're here today and, and people have tried to pass the baton of faith off to you, but you've never given Christ your heart. Why not right now you realize that you're a sinner? Why not right now you realize that God loves you? Why not right now realize, as 1 Peter 3.18 says, that Jesus died and came back to life so your sins could be completely forgiven, wiped away, as Acts 3.19 says. And then repent of those and invite Jesus Christ into your heart. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? It starts with a prayer. Right there where you sit, you can pray this simple prayer and invite Christ into your heart. And matter of fact, while I'm praying this prayer, and hopefully somebody's going to invite Jesus into your heart, why don't those of you who accepted Christ as a, as a child or early in life, thank God for the privilege that somebody gave to you of handing the baton of faith off to you. And if you've never given Christ your heart, here's the prayer you need to pray. Just right there where you sit. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I am a sinner. And I repent of those sins. I invite you into my heart. I want to live for you from this day forward. It's my heart and it's my desire to be your follower. And just put a little amen on the end of that prayer. And just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment. See, the greatest thing you can do today is not to make your mom breakfast in bed or to cook for your mom a great lunch. The greatest thing you can do today is take hold of the baton of faith and land safely in the kingdom of God. And I wonder if somebody's here today, nobody's looking around, just me. Nobody's, you would just trust me enough. I'm not going to embarrass you. But you would just raise your hand and say, Pastor Mike, I just prayed the prayer. I just asked Jesus into my heart. Not sure all that it means, but I, know, I do know I want to be a believer. And I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm raising my hand to let you know I just accepted Christ as my Savior. I wonder if there's anyone. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Anyone else? Four hands went up today, and together we as a church say amen. Amen. If you'll look this way, 
Hey, if you'll leave, um, I don't know if, if Juan is in the front or the back or wherever she's at. If you will exit, when you exit to the right on the information desk, there's a, there's a Bible and a bag and, a, and just some stuff we just like to give you. And just take that. And, and there's a copy of a recent sermon that, and, and singing and stuff that we preached and a, and a Bible and in it it has questions and answers to kind of help you get going in your life in Christ. And maybe you didn't pray the prayer, but you're really interested. Take one of those bags too. If you want to fill out an information card to let us know about the decision you made, the only thing we'll do for this week is two things. One, we'll pray for you. And the second, we'll call you at the end of the week and just say, hey, how's it going? You got any questions that we might be able to answer? And that's it. Man, I'm so glad that you're here today. Would you bow your heads and let's pray together? The ushers are going to come forward and take the offering. I'm going to give announcements while they're doing that. And then we're going to hug a mom before we're done. Our Heavenly Father, I want to give you praise and glory for those that invited Jesus Christ into their heart just now in this service. The baton of faith was passed. And Lord, I pray and I thank you for those that raised their hand. And Lord, I pray that we're able just to come alongside them, love them, help them grow in their relationship, this new relationship that they have in Jesus Christ. And that mothers and fathers would do a better job of passing the baton of faith off to their children. I ask your blessings on this offering. In Jesus' name.